Um, but first, I would love people to share their thoughts on who the Holy Spirit is. So, who's the Holy Spirit? Let's hear your thoughts. He's a comforter. Our comforter. A comforter, yeah. A spiritual being. A spiritual being of some sort. A spirit in his Very good, Matthew. <laughs> Very good. Who, who's the Holy Spirit? He prompts us. Someone who prompts us, yes. Any other thoughts? Anything else you want to share about the Holy Spirit? He's an interceder. He intercedes for us. He intercedes for us, right, yes, good. Yes. He brings to our remembrance the truth of the scriptures. Yes. So he almost speaks to us, doesn't he? Or well, he does speak to us. Yep. Wendy here. Yeah, Wendy, yeah. He dwells with it. He lives in us, yes. Thank you. He helps. He's a helper. He's God. He's God. Was that uh, that was you, Tim? Yeah, it was. Yeah. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. <laughs> yes, that's right, from the from the creeds. <laughs> So, being an ancient Jew, uh, it would have been very, very confronting in one sense to think about the Holy Spirit in the way we talk about the Holy Spirit today as Christians. Um, but the Holy Spirit, he is from the first part of the Bible, and I've got a few Bible passages up there, uh, which you can look at. So, from actually the second verse of the Bible, the Holy Spirit is mentioned, I think at least. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And he's, he's mentioned throughout the Old Testament. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious Spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. And he's spoken about in Ezekiel, and this is particularly relevant for us today and for the day of Pentecost. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. Your filth will be washed away. You'll no longer worship idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I will put my spirit in you so that you'll follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. And so, sort of suffused throughout the Old Testament is mention of the Holy Spirit. Then in the New Testament, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26, When the Father sends the Advocate, my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. Matthew 28, Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit in Ephesians by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing you that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. And in 1 Corinthians, don't you realise your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So, throughout the Bible, there's this discussion, mention, talk about the Holy Spirit, and we see him in action throughout the Bible. And of course, this was very confusing to people, because we have trouble understanding this. The Bible talks about God as one, and then it talks about God as Father, 
who is different than Jesus and who is different than the Holy Spirit, or distinct, might be a better word. And yet it talks about Jesus as Holy Spirit, as Jesus as God, Holy Spirit as God. And uh, of course today we talk about that as the Trinity. And it's a mystery that we don't understand, but God has revealed to us. He is one God, yet he has distinct three persons with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each being one and distinct, but being part of one. And that's really just almost incomprehensible for our minds to understand. But it's something which is there in the Bible in black and white. And it's just important that we acknowledge that. Uh, and I think as, as evangelical Christians, we often forget about the Holy Spirit. And he's here now, living in us, among us, speaking to us. And so we thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. Okay, so let's look at the day of Pentecost. So you've heard the story once through the cartoon we had at the beginning, the, the kids' Bible. I'm going to zoom through this um, But I just want to start before the day of Pentecost. We're starting with Jesus resurrected. And then the very last thing he does before returning to God the Father is speak to his disciples and saying, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Just notice how these two things are linked up. The Holy Spirit is linked with witnessing. Okay, let's read on. So on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. It filled the house where they were sitting. Flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as given to them by the ability of the Holy Spirit. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, and everyone came running, and they were bewildered then to hear their own language being spoken to the believers, by the believers. They were amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people from Galilee, yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, etc., etc., And we hear these people speaking our own languages and about God and the wonderful things he's done. And so they stood there, amazed and perplexed. What does it mean? Some, though, ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. Peter stepped forward and said, listen carefully. Make no mistake, these people aren't drunk. This is what was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel in the last days God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. We'll keep going. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus of Nazareth by doing powerful miracles, wonders and signs through him. As you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grips. 
in his grip. King David said this about him. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. You won't allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You've shown me the way of life. You fill me with the joy of your presence. Brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried. His tomb's still here. He was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking to the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And now he's exalted in heaven, sitting at God's right hand. And just as he's promised, he's given the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see in here today. So let everyone in Israel know for certain, God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and Messiah. His words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the others, What should we do? And Peter replied, Repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. So, we'll keep going, I think, the next one. So, I just wanted to, to look at Pentecost today and connect the Old Testament and the New Testament and how, see how that helps us understand the present. This, by the way, is a bunch of pictures of cross-references in the Bible from beginning to end and all the links between different parts of the Bible can be seen in the colours of the rainbow here. So, kids, what do you reckon this is a picture of? Oh, yeah, yeah, what's happening? Yep, yep. So Severus Snape here is killing Albus Dumbledore with a bunch of Death Eaters on the tower. The lightning struck tower, isn't he? Oh, sorry, Finn. I remember reading that in, in book number six for the first time and thinking, my goodness, this is terrible. Snape is, is evil after all. He's the most evil one. And Yeah, he's the Half-Blood Prince. And, and you can see how and then, Harry's Yeah. Oh, Harry's... Yeah, yeah, behind the invisibility cloak. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But that doesn't make any sense, that scene, properly, until you understand what had happened before. And if you know the story, I won't spoil it, but you look at that scene and you think you know what's happening when you read the book. And then, in the next book... They have all these flashbacks to the past where you see these events that didn't occur and all of a sudden you understand the picture so much better and get a really correct view of what's going on. Sometimes uh, sometimes you just need to know the past to understand the present. You need to understand what had happened to make sense of what's happening now. And so that's what we're going to do with Pentecost in Acts 2. So this is the history of Pentecost. Pentecost is not a Christian celebration initially. It was a Jewish celebration. So Pentecost was a celebration that God asked the people of Israel to take part in every year in Exodus. So the time that Moses 
was uh, in Sinai with the Israelite people. That's when God gave them the Pentecost. And in Exodus 34, 22, it says, or God says, you must celebrate the festival of harvest or Pentecost with the first crop of wheat harvest. So Pentecost is actually part of the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. It's part of that, that connection between God and his people in the Old Testament. Uh, if we go back a little bit, um, there was something else there. And the other thing which I thought is just interesting is, this is, by the way, a modern-day Pentecost picture, but it's about harvest. It's about the first crop of the wheat harvest. And as I was thinking about that this week, I thought it just it's about reminding us, showing us, all the Israelite people, that God gives us what is needed to sustain life. Just two really interesting thoughts about the Pentecost. In Leviticus it says, when you harvest the crops of your land at Pentecost, it's talking about Pentecost in this passage, do not harvest the grain along the edges of the field, do not pick up what the harvesters drop, but leave that for the poor and the foreigners living among you. So here are some boys harvesting for the Pentecost in modern day Israel. And of course, if you can imagine in ancient Israel, there would be lots of foreigners around, poor people around who didn't have their own land. And when they're harvesting, they'll pull off some of the the wheat and they'll drop it on the ground or they'll leave some of the wheat. And that's being left for the poor, for the foreigners who don't own the land. And that just says something about God, doesn't it? God wants to sustain the poor and foreigners too. It's actually not just about the Israelites. Pentecost was also about the foreigners. So that's Pentecost history. Now, there's something else in the Old Testament that is really relevant to the story of Acts 2. One, and it's the, it's the tabernacle and the temple. So, if you remember in Exodus, again, God just didn't give them the Ten Commandments. He didn't just give them the Pentecost. He gave them instructions to build this large tent called a tabernacle. And the tabernacle actually means dwelling. That's what it means. Dwelling, a place that someone lives and this is what God said in Exodus 25, 9. You must build a tabernacle. So again, like Pentecost is part of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the tabernacle was also part of the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. A few hundred years later, that tabernacle got converted into a temple that Solomon built. This is uh, what David said about the temple. So this was still a tabernacle in the time of King David. And David knew that God wanted Solomon to build a temple. So he said, Solomon, my son, the Lord has chosen you to build a temple as his sanctuary. So the tabernacle and the temple, they were places where God lived. It's where he dwelt. So in the Exodus, this is what it says about the tabernacle. A cloud, a wind covered the tabernacle. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, and at night fire glowed inside the cloud. Can you imagine that? A huge ball of flames, a wind coming down, a cloud coming down at the tabernacle, showing God was present in the tabernacle. I know that's not anything that is within our realms of experience, but God did this for the Israelite people to show them, he was there with them. He was real. (coughs) 
Same thing happened in the temple. When the priest came out of the holy place, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. So the tabernacle was where God was. It's where he dwelt. The temple was where God was. And people knew God was there because of the wind, the cloud. A mighty wind that went with this and with the fire and the light that came from it. So these were real these are these were real physical manifestations that God made happen so that people would know he was there. Final bit of history I want to look at before looking at Acts 2 is this history of Jesus. So Jesus, of course, born around 0 BC, a bit before, was born to Mary in Bethlehem. And in Matthew, we're reminded that he was Emmanuel. That was his name, his title, which means God with us. God is with us. So Jesus was born and that was God coming present into our midst among us, walking among us. Jesus, though, wasn't going to be there the whole time. We read the story in Acts 1.8 of him being ascended back to heaven. And Jesus did speak about, though, during this time that he was walking amongst people, he did speak about someone else who would come and be with the people. So in John 16, this is what he said. In fact, it's best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And so Jesus, of course, did leave. He he died, resurrected, and then ascended to heaven. And this is what he said. Last thing he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth, even to Wurongari. <laughs> so, why look at all that? It gets a bit like looking at the story behind Snape killing Dumbledore. To make sense of it, we have to know the history. To make the sense of Acts 2, we have to understand this history. So, Pentecost in Acts 2 shows us what about Acts 2? Do you want to move on? So the first thing is, next slide. It's not changing. No, it is. Well, let's go again. <laughs> there we go. Cool. So as we as we looked at before, Pentecost was part of the old covenant, the Old Testament. So the pen, so the Holy Spirit coming on Pentecost tells us it's the start of something new, the start of a new covenant. And this is why uh, Peter said, he said, what actually is the new covenant? The old covenant was the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments. The new covenant was, this is how God's going to relate to his people now. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Pentecost showed us that God sustains life. It was a grain harvest offering celebration. Connected to that is this idea that the Holy Spirit brings life. He brings water. He brings nourishment to us. But spiritual, not not physical like Pentecost in the Old Testament, but this is a spiritual life. So God's Spirit is the one who sustains us. And God pours that sustenance 
on us. I'll pour my spirit on all people. In Pentecost in the Old Testament, remember, God wished to sustain the foreigners too by making sure there was grain for them to collect, nourishment for them. That's exactly the case in Pentecost in Acts 2 as well. This spiritual life, this spiritual nourishment, is not just for the Jews in Jerusalem, but all these people from all over the world were visiting Jerusalem. That's why, they, that's why God brought languages, so that they could hear the message too. We hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. That's why Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses to the most remote part of the earth, Jerusalem, Judea, Galilee, to the ends of the earth. So, the other thing about the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, we talked about the temple or the tabernacle. And that's where God dwelt. When Jesus came, God then dwelt walking among us as the physical Jesus. But in Pentecost, this is a, an image of God no longer being in the temple. And in fact, of us no, no longer needing Jesus to walk among us, but actually God coming to us within us. Think about this, remember? In the Old Testament, God was physically manifest via a wind, a cloud, and a fire. In Pentecost, that wind came down to the disciples in the room and fire could be seen on their heads. God was there with them. The temple was no longer going to be a physical building that God would dwell in. It was going to be people. He was going to dwell in people. That's why there was a roaring mighty windstorm with flames on them. So that they could see that. And because the Holy Spirit was living in people, that's where God was, he could change them. His spirit could turn their stony hearts into a live beating heart of flesh. So you can see all those connections between the old and the new. So what do you reckon? What does this mean for us? Who wants to share some thoughts? Neil? Well, we're the, we're the body of Christ. We're the, the temple. You know, God's Holy Spirit dwells um, within us. So I like to call him the Lord Holy Spirit. Because he's God. Yep. So, you know, we say Jesus is Lord. So I like to call him the Lord as well. Good. Yep. Thanks, Neil. Any other thoughts? What does it mean for us, all of these symbols, all of this meaning, this truth? I suppose, the way I think about it, I think about Acts, I think. The time of the Holy Spirit has come, but it also means that we shouldn't be any different to them, I feel. And I know it takes, it takes faith and it takes a time in God's timing for those things to happen, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. And I think we should be striving for those times, you know, striving for the Holy Spirit to actually do miracles through us, not just look for the big leaders that do it, because we are, was it Moses, my servant, is dead, we are the next people to rise up and do God's will, so. Yeah. I believe God can work through us, hey, even miracles. Yep. Any other thoughts? 
It reminds me of the Bible Project video on heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. You know, and it talks about how in the Old Testament God was present in the tabernacle, so heaven was sort of present on earth in the tabernacle where God was present. But now that the Holy Spirit has come and made each of us temples, we actually take that heaven, we take heaven on earth, wherever we are. And so so we're sort of spreading heaven around the world. In a sense, it's true, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. It reminds me of comfort. Comforted. The Holy Spirit is comforted. And when I looked at the Old Testament and they left part of the harvest for the for the poor people and for the people that didn't have much. It's it's what the comforter does with us when we go through suffering and we go through things which we will. But he's there there to sort of support that support us and, and give us that peace. Yep. Just amazing. And we can give that peace to others. Right. Yep. I think that in terms of theology and explaining and understanding things with people as well. Like seeing all that together helps me appreciate, yes, things really are different between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then people say, well, why don't you do this like they did in the Old Testament? Actually, so much has changed with the coming of the Holy Spirit and that explains why we are so different as the Christian church. Yeah. it's good. Yeah. Let's move to the next slide. So there's three things I want to share that it means for us. First thing it means is kind of what Rose said. God is with us. We're not walking alone in this life. I, I read a newspaper article this morning about um, obstetricians and um, how stressful it is for them. And uh, apparently male doctors have a 1.5 times suicide rate of, of average man in Australia and female doctors have a three times suicide rate of the average woman in Australia. And there's a huge anxiety and stress that we all feel, that different people feel, and it leads to all sorts of terrible, terrible decisions to be made, doesn't it? But we don't need to be anxious. We don't need to worry. God is with us. We don't need to be like the world that is afraid and anxious and worried. Easier said than done, but God is with us and he carries us when we can't walk ourselves. Second thing I think it means is that you've been changed. I've been changed. God has changed us. Where we had a heart that, that was stony, cold, you've now got a heart that's alive. It's suffused with love, compassion, Holiness. And the third thing I think it means for us is our hearts have been changed for a reason. Jesus said, um, a light isn't put under a basket. You're You're a light. You're like a city on a hill that can't be hidden. The Holy Spirit hasn't come so we can hide, be covered by a basket. He's changed us for a reason to be a light to the world. And that's why there is a connection between the Holy Spirit and witness. The Holy Spirit and taking God's message to the ends of the earth. So God is with us. We have been changed, but we've been changed for a reason.
Let's pray. Neil, can you pray for us? Thank you, Lord, Holy Spirit. And you came, because you're a personal God. Thank you, Lord, that you came at that special time at Pentecost. And you caused a powerful witness about your Son, Lord God. And people responded. Thank you, Lord, that we've got the the same Holy Spirit within us. And that you want us to be your witnesses. And you're going to lead us and guide us. And you're our comforter and all those good things. Lord, we thank you that you are committed to your church. We thank you that you are going to work through your body, through your church, and that's that's high on your priorities, and that's always been the case. Lord, in the Bible you talk about baptising with the Holy Spirit, and that's a scriptural term, it's okay to use that. And what it means is, Lord, that in the days when they used to dye cloth, that they wanted to dye that cloth and they wanted to make sure that every fibre, every piece of that cloth was saturated with that dye. And Heavenly Father, we, we need you to be working in our lives in a powerful way. Will you saturate us? Saturate us, every, every part of us, every room of our lives, so that, Lord, you can work through us as good vessels that are pleasing to you. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your thankful for your goodness, and we are thankful today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.